0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Relevant Church Weekly Podcast. We're so excited you've joined us today. We hope this message encourages you, inspires your heart, and strengthens your faith. Enjoy. Thank you, God. We worship you, Lord. We thank you so much for your goodness, your faithfulness, your grace, how you establish us in every season, in every area of life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you will turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, that's where we'll be for the next few moments as we look at God's Word. And I I have this thing about these foamy things on microphones, so I'm just going to take this off. Do not get mad, sound people. (laughs) You. There we go. I was like, it's funny. I don't know. I used to sing in a little boy band back in the day, and every now and then we'd have these foamy mics, you know, and I'd always like be kissing the foam. But I found out that that's kind of like unsanitary, (laughs) so I don't want to kiss the foam because Pastor Scott was probably kissing the foam, and then I'd be like, by proxy, kissing Janelle. I don't want to do that. Anyways, turn to uh, John chapter 13, and uh, we're going to be John 13, uh, just a few verses, we might jump around a little bit, but that's where our main text is coming from this morning. And uh, we've been in this series called Showing Up, Showing Up, Showing Up uh, is probably one of the most powerful things in terms of how people's legends and how their character is, is, is um, uh, known by those around them. Uh, we've talked about how like in the Bible there are different characters. You've got the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Why would they be called the sons of thunder? Perhaps that's how they showed up. Doubting Thomas, why would he be called Doubting Thomas? Is because that's how he showed up. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, why would people know him as the son of encouragement? Because that's how he showed up. That's how he showed up. And so a lot of times folks will, will wonder, like, well, I don't understand why people look at me this way. How come I'm not called on for this? How come no one is supporting me in this area? Perhaps the question you should be asking is, how did I show up? for me to receive this label, to receive this type of experience whenever I'm dealing with those around me, those in my life, in my family, in my workplace? How am I showing up? And as a church, there's something that we need to do. We need to do something that is uh, radical, something that is different in that for us to maximize and to be relevant for the next season ahead of us, we have to consider how we show up. Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to show up as a body? How are we going to show up as individuals? How are we going to show up as, a, as the church in this city? What will we be known for? Many years ago, I was um, uh, when I first moved to, to uh, Riverside, and we we're considering planting a relevant church, and we're going to different parts of the city. I remember going to Canyon Crest. Um, you know, I was trying to figure out different parts of the, of the city of Riverside to get to understand how the, the city worked, where people hung out. So someone says, you, go, you should go check out the Con- Canyon Crest Plaza. And so there, there's a Starbucks there. So I got to the Canyon Crest Plaza, but I could not find the Starbucks. But you know what I did find? The fragrance of coffee. There's something about the fragrance of coffee where you're just like, I know it's here somewhere. I know it's here somewhere, and I just kept on walking until I found Starbucks and It dawned on me at that moment that there are times where a church can be in a community, but no one smells the fragrance of grace. they're looking for grace, but when they've come here they, they, it, it, it's it, and it's this powerful thing that if 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 this church was to disappear, who would miss it? Would it be something that was like, oh, I heard that they, they're, they're no longer around. Well, too bad. You, you want some chicken? You move on with life. Or would it be one of those things where it's like, oh, my gosh, I miss that community. I miss what that, 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 that organization, that organism brought into my life. And it all depends on how we decide to show up, how we decide to show up. Today I want to talk about showing up in service. um. Pastor R.J. brilliantly last week introduced you to Queen Esther. Amen. And I'm just going to pick up a little bit, um, uh, some, some thoughts around service. She talked about service as well. In John chapter 13, if you'll read with me verse 1, it says this. It says, now before the feast, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, everyone say his hour had come, His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world. He loved them to the end. I love that verse. He loved them to the end. I wish we could just preach on that part right there. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from the supper, he laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. I'm going to skip down to verse 12. <clears throat> Now, when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what I've done to you? Now, now, I want to pause there because I believe that in churchianity, most people can live their entire life in church, go to church, attend church, worship at church, serve at church, but never understand what Jesus did for them. Never be able to answer that question. He says to them, after he's washed their feet, puts, puts back on his garments, looks at them and says, Do you understand what I just did? Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Hello, somebody. If anyone says he never considered himself the Lord, there it is right there, apologetics 101. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I've chosen. It's his final hour. Knowing that his hour had come. Knowing that this is it. Knowing that it was, this was, for the last 33 years of his life, everything was about the purpose for which he was about to fulfill. Knowing that his hour had come, he does something He wants you to understand. Now, that he wants you to consider. That he wants you. It's his final act. Now, here's the thing about it: is that you can't be productive in life if you don't know your purpose. You can't be productive in life if you don't understand your purpose. And in this short passage here, Jesus is giving you your purpose as a believer, as a Christian. As one who who is chosen, he's saying, this is what it is right here. In my final hour, I'm going to show up in a way that I need you to understand so that you can show up this way for generations to come. Question is, if you knew that you only had six months to live, 30 days to live, three days to live, would you spend your time arguing about the things that you argue about now? Would you spend your time dealing with foolishness? Hello, somebody. I know what I'd be doing. Sending out memes, amen. <laughs> would you worry about the things that you worry about? Would they be important? If you knew that this, this was your final hour, what would be priority? What would be central? What would be essential in your life? These are the final moments of Jesus' life. And it's strange to me that in his final moments, in his final acts, he doesn't say, hey, guys, it's my final hour. We should go over to the Sea of Galilee and, and go fishing one last time. Maybe we should go for a little resort. Let's, let's do a little getaway. My, my final hour, my, my entire purpose, my, my mission is about to come to an end right now. It's my last weekend with you guys. Let's go to Vegas and just party it up just one last time. Instead, he washes feet. Washing feet would be the last thing on my mind. Never have you heard anyone say, hey, looks as if my, my time's come. My bucket list activity before I die is to wash your feet. I've heard skydiving. I've heard, let's go to the French Riviera. I've heard, let's go to Italy. Let's go to, let's go to um, uh, a vacation. Let's go, sky, let's go do something. Let's go ride in a hot air balloon. Let's do something special. And Jesus is like, it's my final hour. The last thing I want to do for you guys is wash your feet. I want to wash your feet. As a matter of fact, he doesn't say it. He just does it. Hello, somebody. Some people want to talk about it. Some people do something about it. The thing that Jesus prioritized was getting on the floor and washing his disciples' feet. This mindset is mind-blowing. And you can never have this mindset if you stay at the dinner table. Hmm. I didn't say come to church to be uh, encouraged today. Come to church to grow. Amen. We're going to grow together. Hallelujah. Catch Joel Osteen later on. He'll encourage you. (laughs) balance. That's <laughs> what I do. After I preach, I go and watch Joel. <laughs> Amen. I've had many conversations with, with Christians, both in relevant church, churches I've attended elsewhere, and and there's this thing, Pastor Scott, that, that church people like to say. They like to say words like I just don't feel as if I'm getting fed. Have you heard that before? Okay. Right. I just, I just, you know, I just don't know if I'm being fed. I don't know if I'm being fed. I don't, I don't know if I'm being fed. This ain't the freaking buffet. Talk about I don't know if I'm being fed. I don't know if I'm getting fed. I don't know, I don't know if I'm getting, and and, and this last last couple weeks I've been working out with Jason Nolo, praise the Lord, I hate him, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, I am am currently sore in muscles I didn't know existed in my body, normally when I'm sore, it's like you touch me here, it's like, oh, I'm sore, no, I'm sore on the inside muscles, how does that happen, we didn't even work out hard. He's like, Jonathan, I'm not gonna work you out hard. I'm just gonna, we're just gonna go slow, okay? Tell me that doesn't sound like a. <laughs> we're just gonna go slow this time, all right? So I just want you to take the five pounds and just do this 500 times. <laughs> yes, I was, it was the five pound dumbbells, okay? It was embarrassing. Girls were in the gym looking at me like, mmm. I was like, Jason, I'm, you're embarrassing me. He's like, don't worry, Jonathan. Don't worry about them. They just come here to look cute, but you're going to look buff. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but as we were talking, he's like, you know what? He, he says, he says he, he's, he's constantly trying to preach to me. He's like, at church, you're, you're giving us a diet, but you need to move your body. Perhaps your appetite would be a little bit different if you stopped just coming to the dinner table and eating all the time. You're sitting at the table. People who always just sit at the table, they come to eat over and over again, getting a diet, but never burning any calories. Jesus says, Texas text says, supper being over he rose and he laid aside his garment he laid aside his garment now we can preach for 5 hours on that part right there he laid aside his garment i want to submit to you that him laying aside his garment is symbolic of him laying aside his agenda laying aside his identity Laying aside his glory, laying aside his authority, laying aside his position. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. You can't, see here's the thing about it, Rebecca, you can't serve in a pure fashion with your agenda still intact. You cannot come into a space and say, I'm here to serve, but yet you have your own hidden agenda. I'm only going to serve if it serves me. I'm only going to show up if it's, if it's serving me. and uh, what, What's in it for me? And the thing about it is that most Christians like, like to be very, like, you know, spiritual about it. Like, well, I don't know if it's my spiritual gift to work in that area. I don't know if God's, like, really, really calling me to serve in that, in that capacity. I don't know if I – I just – I think God wants me to use my spiritual gifts, and you guys don't really appreciate my gift here. I'm called to be in this position. But I don't feel as if this is an environment that can appreciate my anointment. Thank you. Somebody caught it. You can't serve with your agenda still intact. And here's the thing. right you Write this down somewhere. Selfish people don't serve. Selfish people don't serve. You want to know if you're selfish or not? Who do you serve? Selfish people don't serve. They don't serve the Lord. They don't serve their family. They don't serve their neighbors. They don't serve their generation. They don't serve their children. They don't serve anyone. Selfish people are centered on themselves themselves. Their own comfort, their own well being. They want to be served. They get served, and then they criticize the service around them. Did you hear the sound today? Oh my God. It was just loud. I'm not getting fed. Did you? T- I was trying to check my kids into kids ministry. It took so long. I want you to think about everything that annoys, everything that gets under your skin, and look at that as an opportunity that God might be saying, "Hey, I- I'm glad you see a need. I-, I appreciate the fact that you notice that there's a hole." In the service here. And if you see it, you're not the only one that sees it, but you're not willing to put your hand to the plow to do something about it. You're willing to walk away and say, man, them people don't got it together at all. I'm going to go to a church with a first-class kids ministry. I'm going to go to a church with with a prestigious pastor. Selfish people never serve. They're centered on themselves, their own comfort, their own well-being, and they, and they get served, and, and, and then they'll criticize the service that they do receive. It wasn't what I ordered. They'll never consider that they were born to serve. If Christ, who is God, the Christ that we worship as God, was willing to take off his agenda and lay it aside and take a towel and wrap it around his waist and get on his knees and wash feet. What makes serving so beneath you? And here's the thing about it, the acquisition of stuff because here's, and, and, and I've I've had people ask me this question many times, like, why, why do you do this? Why do you, why do you pastor a church? Why do you, why do you what makes you continue? What makes you keep going and, and, and so forth? I've I've, like, I've considered that question many times and I've asked myself, what is it that makes people uh, motivate them towards things? What, what, what are, what's, what are the driving forces, right? And in America and around the world, really, it's not just an American thing. We are into the accumulation of stuff. Hello, somebody. I like, I like clothes. I like shoes. I like. I do. I do. It's a problem. It's a problem. I, I just realized the other day I probably have more shoes than my wife. I really do. It's a problem. You know, pray for me. I like shoes, I like watches, I like cars, I like all, I like all this stuff. And you can accumulate all this stuff and get all this stuff and, and it comes into your life and you get more, more stuff. And the more you collect it, the more you realize that at the end of life, stuff never helps you. Yeah. Stuff will never help you. I, I've, I've realized that, that when I'm going through something, I can't go to my Jordans and say, Jordans, give me some comfort. I can't go to my, 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 my Timex, Folex watches. I don't have any Rolexes, so I used to have one. I gave it away. Because you know what I've discovered? Is that as much as I enjoy getting stuff, I find more enjoyment in giving it away. I find more enjoy, And I don't say this to brag or boast or, or whatever. Hopefully, it's something that inspires you. A, a few months ago, and, and this is how God has worked in my life over and over again. It, 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 I'm, I'm driving down on, on in Indiana Avenue near Home Depot. I don't know why I was going to Home Depot. I hate that place. I <laughs> had to go to Home Depot for something. I think we're in the middle of like fixing up our house to sell and and whatnot, and and so I was like, "Okay, let me go to Home Depot and find something." (laughs) I was lost for twenty minutes. (laughs) But as I'm driving, leaving Home Depot, I noticed this man walking with bare feet, and it was one of those days where the Southern California heat, the Inland Empire heat, is like it was hot. Right? It was hot to get inside my car. And I'm like, his feet must be burning up. And then it dawned on me, I have extra shoes in my trunk. And I had that, I had that thought, I was like, but they're Jordans. I was like, that homeless man does not deserve my Jordans. Come on, I, I, I got to be real, right? You know you've thought it yourself, Right? Maybe I could go down somewhere and buy him some shoes over at some place. And where's Payless? Oh, they went out of business. Right? That's the conversation going in my head. And the Lord's like, Negro. That's how he speaks to me. Negro, you've got shoes in your trunk right now. But Lord, they're Jordans. They're anointed shoes for the man of God. Blessed are the feet of those who serve the Lord. Negro, pull over and let go of them shoes. Pulled over. Actually, I didn't pull over. I had to drive back around, come back around. And I rolled down my window. I was like, let me check and see if he needs them first. Rolled down my window. I was like, excuse me, sir. I noticed that you don't have any shoes on. Do you need some shoes? He says, yes, I do. You know when your upper lip starts trembling a little bit? <laughs> I have some for you. <laughs> Give me one moment. I went and got my Jordans and I <laughs> said, here you go. And this man started I mean, a grown man starts crying. He's like, thank you so much. Man, I got in my car. I felt so good. I was like, man, I gave away, I gave away some Jordans. It felt so good. A couple days later, somebody sent me shoes randomly. I was like, praise the Lord. Thank you. Air Force Ones. I was like, who did this? I was like, it was the Lord. He knew it. In the acquisition of stuff, I've discovered it's better to give it away. Amen, somebody? It's better to give it away. Um, I was reading some actor. I can't remember who it is. Um, um, big, big name, if I was to mention him, everyone in here would recognize him. He said something along the lines just this week that he's not leaving anything to his children. And, and people are like, oh my goodness, the shocking revelation about his wealth. It will not be given to his children, it will be given to charities. And in the interview, he talks about how he plans to like, make sure that they're taken care of. But the vast sums of his wealth is just going to be given away to people who could never give anything to him. And he mentions Carnegie. He says, Andrew Carnegie did it and he died happy. There's no fulfillment and stuff. The best part of money isn't when you get it. The best part of money is when you bless somebody with it. And so Jesus is trying to establish his disciples. He, he, these are men. I want you to understand that for the last few chapters prior to this, these are men who have been hearing Jesus saying that he's going to Jerusalem to lay down his life. He's going to Jerusalem to die. He's going to Jerusalem to be crucified, that he'll be betrayed. He'll be handed over to the Romans, handed over to the, to the ruling Jews and all these things. He keeps telling them this, and instead of them hearing anything about his purpose— Of his mission, all they're doing is saying, well, when he establishes his kingdom, I want to make sure that I'm vice king. I want to be the associate, associate executive secretary of heaven. I want to be in charge of something. And they're arguing with each other. As a matter of fact, they they enlist their Jewish mother. I don't know if you've ever been around. They're very much like Mexican moms. Which are very much like African moms. You know, very, very much like Italian moms. Okay, let's just say mom. It was just a mom. A mom who loves her babies, right? And so, and so their mom comes over to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, listen, I have two kids. I have two sons. You know, you know James, Jimmy. It's not Jewish. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm thinking Fran Dressler. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm channeling right now. I want to make sure that one of them is ruling on your right-hand side and the other one's on the left. Don't worry about Bartholomew. He can be at the door. But she, they're, they're argue, this is the fight. They're debating as to who's the greatest, who's going to have a position, who's going to get what, what am I going to get. I've been with you for three years, Jesus. What's, what's in line for me? let you in on a little secret. 99.9% of every church split is the result of someone who's disappointed that they didn't get a position. I'm not here to tell you the truth, but I'm going to tell you the truth. 89% of people who you see serving in ministry and then all of a sudden they stop serving? You want to know why? They didn't get the position that they hoped for, and now they're ticked. I can't believe that you, you chose that person over me. I've been here for three and a half years. I've been here since the beginning. I've given my life to this. I was there in the hospital room when you had your firstborn child, and you, you, you bypassed me for her? I'm not making this up, but I'm kind of making it up. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> You're right. And then they'll, they'll leave because I didn't get a position. I'm, I'm out of here. Then later on you'll hear, they're still watching the services online, and they're ticked off because they see somebody preaching, and they never got the opportunity to preach. I can't believe that you chose to have them preaching. I speak no lies because I don't inhale lies. Only exhale truth. <laughs> these, these are the guys that Jesus has been dealing with. These are these are the gentlemen that he's. Been, these are his disciples, his twelve. T- Tony, the, the thing about it is that a lot of folks, a lot of folks. Who have this mentality of saying, you know what, I just wish I could go back to a time when the church was pure. There was no politics in the pure early testament church. Yo. These guys were just as jacked up as the people at the Baptist church you left last week. Jesus says nothing. He says nothing. He does not address their issues of needing a position. He's not addressing their argument. He doesn't join the argument. He's, he's sick and tired of it. He's just like, okay, for three and a half years, you've not picked up on anything. You've missed my point. So I'm just going to demonstrate scripture. I'm going to give you theology through an action. I'm going to give you the gospel in action. You want to see how this works? He gets up from the table takes off his garment and lays it down, lays it down. During biblical times, especially during the Passover feast, what would happen is that the Jews would would, would come into a home to to have this dinner. As a matter of fact, this was also an ordinary thing. On, On any ordinary time, whenever there was a gathering of people, see, I want you to go back in your mind, just use your imagination a little bit. There are no public roads the way that we have them now. As a matter of fact, whenever you're walking down a the street, there are animals who walk on the same street. There's horses, camels, and, and other donkeys and other things like that. And, and when they walk, they don't have the technology of having a little pooper scooper thing that hangs behind them. So what they do is that when they walk in their holy sanctified sandals, they're stepping on stuff. Stuff. You've got the sand, you've got the, the refuse from, from the animals and, and just all the things that are happening. And so when you entered someone's home, in order for the person hosting you to make you feel welcome, they would refresh you by having a slave come and wash your feet. On a Passover, on a Passover. Does anybody here know what the Passover is, or is, a, is a celebration of? All right, you all failed. When they were, what was their position in that land? They were slaves in Egypt. What were they in Egypt? Passover is their celebration of God rescuing them from Egypt. From their slavery in Egypt. I want you to catch this. Because this is very important for you to understand. When Jesus disrobes himself and puts on a towel around his waist... He's putting on the uniform of a Gentile slave at a celebration of Jewish freedom from slavery. Can we go a little deeper with that? Hmm. This would be like on Martin Luther King Day, Black History Month, Jesus showing up and saying, let me get some cotton and serve you. Do you understand the level of offense that's happening to a Jewish mindset right here? On the celebration of them being released and and, and freed from Egyptian slavery, Jesus, who made it all happen, hello somebody looks at these guys who are arguing about positions and authority and, and, and jobs and all these things and who's going to be the greatest and everything else. And he says, let me take off my robe, my, my garments of authority, my agenda, and put on the uniform of a slave and get down on my knees and do something that none of you were willing to do for me. It, 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 it baffles me. Why would 12 men in a room, after walking the sandy, dirty streets of Jerusalem, not think to themselves, who's going to wash our feet? Who forgot to hire the Gentile slave to come and do this? I'm pretty sure the thought occurred to them, we're going to eat with dirty feet during Passover? Guess we didn't get someone to come and do this. I'm not going to do it. It's not my calling. It's not my gifting. It's not my position. It's not my job. It's just not part of my gift mix. And Jesus says, okay. All right. lays aside his garment and since nobody had honored him he honors them are you with me they're arguing what am I going to get and Jesus is like this is what I'm going to do for you and the thing about it is that we spend a lot of time not training people to serve, but training them to be served. Now, I'm not talking just in church. I'm talking about in, in households. I see it all the time. We train people not to serve, but to be served. We give mindsets of Not serving, but being served. I have the unique, fortunate experience of being raised by some African parents. I don't know if American parents did this, but you'd be outside playing and you'd hear, Jonah! If you're not in the house within three seconds, you know what's happening. I get in the house, they're sitting on the couch. Pass us the remote over there. <laughs> I don't know if that happened in your homes, but. And in your head, you're like, well, you were right there. I was outside, I was in the middle of the game. Give us the remote right there. You just have to stretch and grab it, and you can get it. Now, if you even. Started to utter those words. (laughs) Catch a flying, flying backhand. You know, it's like if you're able to give me a backhand from where you're sitting, why couldn't you just reach for the remote? (laughs) But there was this training of, of 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 serve, serve someone. Don't sit on your backside and just do nothing. Serve, get, get busy. Do, do not come, do not allow us to come home and we find everything everywhere. Add some value. Do, do not be in a situation where, where, where you are lit. Let me tell you something. This is a secret of the kingdom. The secret of the kingdom is this is that God places you in an environment and he leaves without giving you instructions. This is Bible. He just says, be fruitful, multiply, do something. Your God is not a God of complacency. He's a God of increase. He wants to come back and find that you created value with what he left you with. That you did something with it. So he gives parables like, you know, he gets three servants, says, hey, come come here. One, to one he gives one talent to the other, he gives uh, two or three talents to the other one, he gives five. And then he leaves and he comes back, he's like, what'd y'all do? The indictment there is not, I would have been like, yo, you didn't tell them to do anything with it. You just left. You gave it to them. If they gave it, to, if, they, if you got it back, you should be happy. But he's, the master in that parable is upset because the one wicked, he calls him a wicked servant because he did not do anything. The number one way that you create value in any environment is how you serve in that environment. How you serve in that environment. Life demands service. And here's the thing about it. When you've been trained to not be a servant or to serve, what happens is that the moment you're called to serve, you'll think that it's abuse. I can't believe that they're asking me to do this. Do they not know that I have a job? The number one church... I I was... Several years ago, I went to Australia for um, my Hillsong conference, and... Think what you may about Hillsong. There's one thing about the culture of that church that that astounded me and messed me up, and it was the culture of how they serve. So um, I'm at conference. There's 30,000 people at conference, and there was this door because I was in in their network, and so I had a special door that I'd go through. And so um, you didn't have to stand in line, but at that door, there was this gentleman who opened the door for you. I'd get over there, and he'd be like, good day, mate. Enjoy conference. He'd open the door. And I'd try to reach for the door. He'd be like, no, nope, mate, it's my job open that door. So, like, on day three, I'm like, I need to know who this guy is. He's so nice. He's so friendly. Like, he's a great volunteer. And so I, I, I asked the, my, my, uh, the, guy, the guy who was hosting me. I'm like, who is that guy who's always at the door? He's like, oh, mate. He runs the number one medical um, uh, plazas in, in Australia. He has urgent cares in almost every city in this nation. He is one of the wealthiest men in the city of Sydney. I'm like, and he's standing at the door, opening doors for people? Yes. He's like, he shuts down his entire practice during conference week so that his employees who are not Christians Can have an opportunity to come to conference, and he tells them, I will be serving at the door. So I'm like, you mean to tell me he doesn't get to go in and sit with all the VIP guests and and do any of that stuff? He says, no, for the last 10 years, all he does is stand at the door for 10 hours. I was like, I don't think in the church of God in Christ of the Baptist, new missionary, (laughs) abundant... Harvest, community, grove, relevant, Church of America, have I ever heard of a story of a person of that great importance and that notoriety in his community being a greeter at a door? Normally, those types of people get to sit right next to the, you know, the VIP area there. you know, they, they, They're only called in to give their gift of service when it comes to the giving talks. Now, these are our champion givers here. We love them. We spend, we go vacationing together. And they are a blessing to the pastor. I'm telling you the truth. And I was moved. I was like, wow, that is Jesus-style service right there. The person laying down his agenda, taking off his garment. Are you with me? And washing feet. You can't get rid of someone who knows how to serve. You can't. It's impossible to get rid of someone who, who knows how to serve. They will make a job when there was no job and add value. And here's a secret, wealth secret, number 3082 that I'll give you. Money follows service. Money does what? It follows service. If it doesn't serve a purpose, it has no value. The greater the purpose, the greater the funding for that service. Are you with me? What purpose do you serve? What do people get when they get you? What are they getting when they get you? When you show up, what are they getting? Are they getting service? Or are they getting a request for a position? What do they lose if they were to lose you? What do they lose if they were to lose you? We're, we're, we're out of time, but, but I, I just wanna park on this for, for just one second because I, I need you to understand um, that, that's, that there's I've, I've been in these conversations with people where they're like I don't understand how when I needed help moving no one showed up for me I don't understand how whenever I put out a call on relevant together or wherever it is nobody responds to my call for help can I, can I, can I give you a, a little hint It could be that when you showed up, you never provided anything. But they're supposed to be Christians. They're just supposed to do that. This is just the law of the universe, reciprocity. Are you with me? The value you receive in life is dependent on the value you give. You can die rich. I've been to many funerals of people who died with lots of money. And the only people who showed up at the funeral were the people who were in the inheritance who were going to get a piece. Then I've been to funerals of some very broke people. But you know what? They were so rich because everybody lined up. You know, you go to a funeral sometimes, you're like, okay, does anybody have anything to remember Jimmy by? And it's like crickets. (laughs) Then I've been to other funerals where it's like there's a line of people. I remember when I was, I was stuck. It was it was late night. My my tire had gone out, and he showed up and he changed my tire. I remember when when this thing took place and he was there for me, and I just want to remind you that if he was there for me, we need to be there for each other. Do you see how your service and the value you bring to people's lives? I don't know the Husseins are, are are this. Is, they they're, they're leaving cuz they're moving and 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 you know you know why there's tears in a room there's tears in a room because of the value that they brought and i hate to say it but it's the truth there are other people who leave and you just be like thank god <laughs> thank praise the lord May they forget my phone number so they never ask me for money again. May they find a new community where they can mooch from. Praise the Lord. And then the other people, you're like, we can't bear the idea of you leaving us and going away. But we are hopeful because we know that wherever you go, you'll be a blessing there too. The cliffhanger for me, and I'll close. The cliffhanger for me is this, when it comes to service. Here's the cliffhanger. Are you ready for it? When he got on the floor to wash his disciples' feet, he had to wash Judas's feet too. He had to wash the feet of a man that was going to put nails in his feet. And he served Jesus. Anyways, are you with me? Serving is, an, is, is not a selective thing. I'm only going to serve you if I know that you're with me. It's I'm going to serve you because when I'm serving you, I'm not just serving you. I'm serving him. There's a greater purpose that's at hand. There's, there's something bigger that's taking place than just this one little act here. Anyone else would have broken Judas's feet. Oh, now I have an opportunity. I'd, if it was me, I'd have, been, I'd have pulled out my little pliers and would have been pulling out nails like. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you served a purpose. And I know you have bills. I know that you have a life. I know you raise kids. I know you got things going on in your world, but is that all there is to your life? Is there anything bigger than you? Is there anything bigger than your bank account, bigger than your next vacation, bigger than you enjoying your best life now? It is the business of sustaining you bigger than the higher purpose of serving Jesus, Or are you so self-centered that you can't be Christ-centered? He says, do you understand what I've done to you? Do you get it? He laid aside his garment. When he had finished washing his feet, he took his garment and he put it back on and he went back to his place. The interesting thing about that, if I can teach for a second, is that the Greek word that's used for laying aside his garment is only used one other time. It's used when he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down myself. Only other time used in the New Testament. When it says that he picked up his garment and put it back on, the only other time it's used when he says, no one takes it from me, but I, I lay it down and then I pick it up myself. Philippians 2, verse 7. I'll read it to you real quick. Because he says, do you understand what I've done to you? Do you understand what I've done to you? I want you to understand that what Jesus is doing in washing the feet is just living out what he did for us. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To God be the glory, God of our Father. The washing of the feet was just showing you that this is what I've done in heaven and on earth. If you want to be great, you have to be willing to be the least. Laying himself down was him showing you the gospel. I would submit to you this and, 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 and I end on this. In showing up in service, I need you to understand that. The gospel is not preached when I get up here to preach it. The gospel is not, people do not make a decision on whether or not they're going to be part of a church when the preacher gets on there. It's an important part. But the bigger part is when they walk in the doors and they see you. Who's greeting me? Who's treating me? Who's directing me? Who's loving all my kids? that's the bigger sermon. And what I'd submit to you is this is that serving should be something that you realize is 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 the gospel in action. It's you saying, "I know that in other areas of my life, I'm a baller. I'm a shot caller, I'm all these other things. But for the sake of the gospel, I lay down my agenda." and I wrap a towel around my waist, and I wash feet. I could go down the row and tell you the stories of people, individuals that you get to see serving here, and you'd wonder, you'd stand in amazement, how is it that a physicist, a doctor, a data analyst making sure that your electricity stays on in your house is willing to sacrifice his time? And get up here and lead faithfully for year after year after year through all kinds of transitions, through all kinds of uncertainties. How is that possible? It's because he lays down his agenda and wraps a towel around his waist and says, this is the gospel. This is the mission. I asked Dr. Matt just last week. I said, why do you continue to serve? I asked you that. I said, why do you continue? Why haven't you left yet? Why have you, have been so frustrated. Why can't you just go away? I was trying to get commitment. <laughs> and he says, I believe. I believe in the mission. I believe in the vision. I believe in, 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 in where, where God's leading. I believe in this. I'm in it for what I believe in. And he didn't say the gospel, but let me tell you something. That is the gospel. Amen. you see holes don't criticize the hole that's a call to action for you I'm going to start a new thing here at relevant church where we don't ask for volunteers we ask you to apply the reason why is because there should be so many of you there saying you know what I'm a Christian I'm a part of this church I love my church and I'm here to do some chores are you with me take some ownership of this thing amen How are you going to show up in your service? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you, Jesus, for being the ultimate servant. Although you are a God in glory worshipped by millions of angels, trillions of angels, having all glory in you, on you, you disrobed yourself of all majesty and humbled yourself and took on the form of a lowly man. And in that value exchange, you've brought all of us into relationship with God and made us family. God, help us understand what you have done. Help us understand. We don't know how much it cost you, but Lord, we are willing to surrender. And lay aside our garment, that we may serve the way that you've served us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now, or visit relevant316.com slash give for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share through your social media, and tag us. Once again, thanks for joining us. God bless.